This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When I go home late at night, this is a song that I really like to sing right now. So I'll play it for you. It's a... Uh called My Old Man. It's in field, tries to go what it does, and Robert Snodgrass has won it in the last minute, surely for Aston Villa. And their brilliant run is set to continue. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com, and uh, here we are on transfer deadline day. And joining me with uh, a dildo in each ear, it's Dan Rogers <laughs> from the Villa Underground. Listen, it's it's <laughs> transfer com. deadline. Transfer deadline day. Two Samba members whip them out. <laughs> and uh, if you have no idea what we're talking about so check out the merchandise (laughs) (laughs) there's the legendary occurrence on transfer deadline day was it it was sky it was it sky news at uh, norwich roving reporters oh no it was a roving reporter where they got kind of slapped about with the uh, is it big blue dildo i can't remember the color (laughs) Don't think the colour mattered. The fact was it was waved in and around his mouth. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's transfer deadline day. I think it's come to an end. What what time was the deadline? We are uh, approaching midnight. We've just gone past half 11. Uh, we're not here for it. This is not live anyway. So uh, we have actually uh, got to rush the show out because uh, young Mr. Rogers is getting up early to catch a flight to Belfast. Is that right? Am I correct in that? You're correct, yep. Uh, off to Belfast tomorrow. What for, uh, for heaven's sake? Business and pleasure. A couple of, couple of um, meetings for, for my start-up and then a bit of R&R oh. in Belfast Friday and back to uh, Have you, have you been before? Uh, Do you know what? It's, it's almost 10 years since I've been to, to Belfast. So I'm looking forward to going back and having a... Yeah, I went, I went, to, I went to some football conference uh, couple of years ago mm. and for for the first time it was great actually we went around all the northern ireland clubs grounds mm. Uh, mm. both sides of the political divide also went to uh like some of the supporter club bars and you know they gave us good hospitality you know bars that had been mm. bombed out 
uh, back in the day. But no, it was a fascinating trip. And, you know, Belfast, I think, is, is a great place, a fascinating place to visit. If you get the chance. Right, on to uh, the show. We've got, like, uh, probably less than half an hour. We're going to have to mm. call time at midnight. Dan will turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> I'll turn into one of the ugly sisters. That'll be the end of the show. So if we suddenly rush off into the night, uh, you know what's happening. If you're new to the show, this won't be uh, a normal uh, show, which normally has all, like, you know, cavalcade of laughs and various sketches. Uh, it'll be just straight up and out. So apologies if you were looking for more of an, an hour fix. Uh, this will probably be half of that. See, this is your gateway drug into future listening. Blame Villa getting knocked out of the FA Cup because we would have done a show... <laughs> After the weekend, instead we uh, we had we had the weekend free, and then we obviously had to uh, wait for the Sheffield United game. Anyway, coming up in the show, a quick three points as usual. Then we'll go uh, straight into uh, what we feel, uh, and I think a lot of villains are starting to feel, is kind of a defining win against mm. Sheffield United in terms of our credentials. And speaking of deadline day, we'll also look at uh, the movements uh, over the past few days that have seen Lewis uh, Graban join from uh, Bournemouth after being ripped away from uh, Sunderland also uh, the outs in terms of Elphick going to Reading uh, Solomon went to Grimsby and uh, Tish Bowler we, we well we jettisoned him uh, north of the border back to the only man who believes in him <laughs> Steve Clark. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> and well, I think his surrogate father yeah, and uh, also uh, <laughs> and also the the main man that's come from Manchester United uh, Axel do you want to pronounce it? To Enzebi. And we discuss, <laughs> well, basically, what's the point of him coming? Ooh, right, three points. First one, uh, Villa Park has finally been ordained or granted the uh, status of asset of community value. This is something that I, uh, when I was, was at the Aston Villa Supporters Trust, uh, I insisted on getting done. This is when Randy Lerner was the boss, so... Once you get this, it's going to take eight weeks, this process. The council's going to take eight weeks. Uh, ah, local bureaucracy. Yeah, local bureaucracy that took like two years for <laughs> an eight-week process. <laughs> That's Typical, this is Birmingham uh, City Council at its finest if you uh, if you don't live here and you're unfamiliar with their uh, capacity to uh, drag their uh, feet on things. But, we, I mean, we can go into this maybe next week... Uh, but it essentially it means that if Aston Villa were up for sale, for, say, for example, we didn't get promoted, we tried to get up next season, that failed, and then Dr. Tony said, F this for a bag of soldiers mm. and put the uh, club up for sale secretly, we would actually uh, be told that it was up for sale and we would have six weeks to decide whether the fans wanted to buy it or put some consortium together to do that. And then if, if you wanted to do that, uh, we would then have like six months to uh, raise the cash. I mean, at the very least, my, my only comment on it would be that it would give you the heads up if something were afoot. Exactly. I mean, that was the mm. reason why mm. uh, the uh, the upshot is it's more of a symbolic uh, mm. gesture that, you know, the most uh, concurrent things about any football club are its supporters and also it's its, its stadium. So at least it links a bit of protection of the stadium via the supporters. Mm. Moving on, number two, a couple of things about transfer deadline day. When Aston Villa were getting in, uh, to Enzebi to announce him they said oh retweet for a signing uh, yeah. they, they, they're so desperate to uh, try to get followers what what do they call that it's kind of whoring yourself no yeah uh... there's, there's a term for it that the millennials use <laughs> <laughs> which I, I can't remember what it is it's you know it's, it's be is it beg it's begging or something I don't know <laughs> 
So anyway, so in a response, basically as a, as a as a homage to that, I said retweet to sell Mika Richards. I'm only I don't know about a hundred retweet. I think they got seven hundred or something. Well, when I when I saw, and uh, I've got like at the time of uh, this podcast recording this podcast 674 so i was hoping that wyness would get off his uh, alexa and uh do something with richards but of course he's never going to go anywhere richards he's just going to see out his contracts while sipping on a big cocktail uh, being uh, sipping what sorry a big big tail nice <laughs> <laughs> You're disgusting. Also, uh, as well as the uh, ins and outs, news has leaked out that Alan Hutton uh, will be uh, discarded at the end of uh, his contract at the end of the season, mm. which uh, I think he's like 33 anyway. And uh, yeah, I'd I'm sorry, s- but he just good effort, blah, blah, blah. Good comeback. But uh, he, to me, is the kind of player that symbolizes the mediocrity that Villa have found themselves suffocating under. Yeah, time to move on. Time to move on. Yeah. What, do you, what was your overall... Uh, Appraisal of transfer deadline day. <laughs> One more appraisal of transfer deadline days. It it, uh, it sort of sets the tone. The whole whole transfer window thing is fueled now by the clickbait merry-go-round of of non news or fake news, I suppose, as Trump would term it. And I think it's if you could strip that away and say, well, what what did we actually need at the beginning of the transfer window? Not a lot. No. And I think I think that we've added obviously the loanee from from Man United, and if anything, that's that's forced our hand on a couple of other players. Clearly gone and knocked on Bruce's door to say, you know, um, if I'm not going to be getting game time or I'm a bit further down the pecking order, adios. In the case of Elphick, yeah. or uh, I mean, maybe Elphick uh, wanted out. I mean, I, I, we discussed this earlier uh, on a, a previous show that I thought it was odd that he didn't play against Peterborough in the FA Cup because yeah, 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 yeah. Terry needed nursing in, so may and a proper centre back next to him. So maybe, uh, and obviously Elphick needs you know needed more games. So maybe he said, well, uh, right, Terry's coming back. Uh, you know, I'm offski. I don't blame Elphick really. It, it's a funny one, yeah, because he struggled when he first came to the club. But his performances while he was deputising made you think, do you know what, he's got to be ahead of Samba, but ahead of Samba isn't ahead of Terry or Chester, is it? And at the stage of his yeah, career, I, it's fair. Yeah, I had him down as the the number one backup to either yeah. Chester or uh, Terry dropping yeah. out, and you felt comfortable with yeah, him yeah, based yeah. on... Because he, you know, he was part of the, the turnaround from that December slump. Mm-hmm. He came in after Bruce had tried every combination that wasn't Tommy Alphick. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> From Samba to Yedinak uh, uh, trying to play the position until the glaringly obvious, uh, you know, just give him a go. And, uh, you know, he was top man. You also shoehorned Bree in at centre-half against Peterborough. Again, we, we spoke about it last time. But yeah. It's, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because I think a, a couple of months ago you'd have probably gone, meh, you know, that's, that's, that's a logical move and no great loss. But like you say, that he'd sort of played himself back into contention where yeah. he was, it was reassuring to have him and, you know, now yeah. actually like Bjarnes- Like Bjarnason. I mean, we'll talk about Bjarnason in a minute, but, you know, he, he looked like he was on his way out and, you know, nobody yep. would have batted an eyelid. <sighs> I think it's probably more Tommy Elphick saying, "Look, I need to play yeah. regular football. I'm, you know, thirty years old. Uh, I think this is the window for me." Yeah, and and I don't, I don't think anyone would hold that against him. I think it's, you know, like you say, at that stage of his career, he's going to want to be playing, and this is, and also, you know, the reality is, if if we get ourselves out of the decision, probably it's facilitating himself and another move and a. And a Final contract, isn't it? The the third and final point, and we'll just quickly uh, brush on this. Mr. Ozil, 
Arsenal gets gives him a new contract. Is it three, three and a half years, whatever it is? Mm. Paying him £350,000 a week. Now, I haven't been following the Premier League, but so the only thing that kind of filters into me is when some players setting the light, you know, the world on fire because you, mm. you know, you, you always see it on Twitter. It's a lot of so, money. So, I mean, excuse my ignorance, but I don't, you know, no player deserves that amount of money anyway. I think it sits alongside of the baffling things, you know, like Leicester turning down bids of 50 million plus for Mares and you know well, I, think, I mean they're, they're justified in the context of you know who else is going for more but I, that, it's kind of like I mean that 350,000 I mean that's almost half of, of the retainer you pay me for this show you know and I think that you know that would yeah. just be like me arriving week on week saying well you know I want 10 grand more because such and such as it. it's it and that's where the, that's how transfer fees have got isn't it and it's the same with wages now if only football podcasts were in line with the amount of money that footballers get paid. I mean, come on, you know, we're funnier, we're more intelligent. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a given. So we should, surely should be paid more. Well, we don't get actually get paid, but we should get paid more than players if we got paid. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a disgrace. Uh, I remember the question uh, from the last show about why women's football... Well, in terms of wages, uh, when they started the Premier League, they should have looked at what's happened in America and they should have done this kind of capping, squad capping, mm-hmm. wage capping, so they, it would always be kind of controlled, but most of all would make it fair across mm. the division. So you, you would have a uh, a wage cap that every team had, and so they were pretty much on an equal footing. And so the science of football, you know, who's got the best tactics and manager, etc., and who's a, a bit foxy in the the transfer market would would be rewarded rather than just you know some country buying a club like Qatar and then just slapping down uh, five oceans of oil's worth of money on on players. But anyway, sorry, going back to the women's football. So here's here's an idea: the women women kick up demand equal pay. And to, fa- to facilitate this equal pay, they have to chop the men's money right down and drag it all the way back. And, you know, they can bring up the women's a little bit. And then uh, they meet at a, at a low number to provide equal pay. Well, at a, at a fair number. I think it opens Job up lots of, lots of debates across. <laughs> Equality wins. Oh, uh, I think sanity wins. That you know, sanity if, wins. I mean, three hundred and fifty. Just take it. I mean, there's a, there's other higher paid paid players. And I'm thinking of the Sanchez move to Man United as well. I think he's on on a significant amount more than more than that. Even you just think it underlines perhaps one of. I think it can make you sound like uh, you know an old timer who's heads of touch, yeah. but it's it's not normal. And and I think that when you know it was not so long ago that players. You know, even winding back the clock to you know the, the Gregory era, they were well-paid. You know, individuals who who became millionaires. But we're talking about you know Özil's earning you know over half a million pounds a fortnight for and 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 I consider him to be a good player. But one of the one of the greats, one of the Arsenal greats. Nah, not for me. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's it's that fairness and and I think as well against a backdrop of a, a society of growing poverty, growing you know disproportionate wealth. Uh, yeah. It's it's not good actually. A fan contacted me who just won a assigned Aston Villa shirt, and uh, he sent me a message saying, uh, "Would you be able to organise an auction?" And he he named a couple of homeless charities, mm. and I said, "Yeah, certainly, uh, not a problem." 
So there's this kind of duality of football mm. where the fans are like trying to actually do something for the society that they see around them, mm. which is like you can't go and walk the dog or uh, go for a coffee without seeing homeless people pretty much mm. guaranteed mm. In, in almost every city or, or village, town it's in this very country. Yet, problem in Birmingham particularly. Yeah, there, exactly. Yeah, more, more so than, you know, let's say 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yet you've got these players who... They're not gods, or they're, they're not no. the, actually the best players uh, of the team, and these teams would function without them. Mm. Getting paid, you know, over a quarter of a million, well, and some, uh, mm. a week, it's, it's, I mean, it says more about what's going wrong with society. I mean, we could riff on that for ages, but uh, let's go back into the world of Aston Villa. And uh, fifth win on the trot, first time since 1998 under John Gregory, when uh, we were only muzzy, is it, away from winning the league. <laughs> 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 ah, we lie awake at night dreaming. I'm, I'm just <laughs> glad that this is the second time in uh, you know almost fifty podcasts that we've managed to get Muzzy Is It's name in. I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but that that's got to you know that's got to get some sort of stat that we can we can definitely riff on that. Uh, so the first time to win five, and uh, I wrote an article uh, mm. a week ago, basically saying uh, his three pivotal games for the rest of the season, which will give you a real indication of if we are automatic promotion material or not. First one was Sheffield United, and mm. that one's been dispatched in the last minute. Next one uh, comes after the next two games. Uh, the next two home games uh, is a, the away trip to Fulham, and Fulham... Yeah, they're going. We were 100% in January, but there was one team above us in the uh, current form, well, the January form, and uh, it was on goal difference, obviously, because it was played 4-1-4, four, four, and that was Fulham, who have been uh, blitzing their way up mm. and mm. will probably make a late charge for it in terms of uh, at least the playoffs and and then I think it's the Derby uh, grudge match at Villa Park mm-hmm. I think those if we, if we won all those three I would I would pretty much say that we're we will be automatic promotion I mean obviously you've got to do well in the rest of the games but uh, you know what I'm talking about I think the fact that we're on a win of five game winning streak for the first time since 98 I mean that's almost 20 years ago I think it's it's April this year that the anniversary was that is a long time uh, yeah. in any measure and, and I think that that it shows how far we've come I think you know we, we're getting into the nitty gritty of the Sheffield United game obviously the the manner of that win is is massive it was very much in the fashion of the Middlesbrough game where you go to the uh, the promotion rivals own patch and uh, you know do a job on them and mm. it doesn't really matter about the performance it's all about running away with the three points uh, what, what stood out for you uh, in that game, I think there's three obvious players, but uh, I'll see if you can guess. I thought Sam Johnston uh, was excellent. He is um, turning into a top top goalkeeper, isn't he? I, I mean, I'm looking here. What's that? Most clean sheets, 21. I mean, that's fantastic. Uh, just a ridiculous statistic in itself. Yeah. Um, ne- next up is Scott Carson, ex of Villa, uh, on 18 clean sheets. For you know, he has uh, vast amounts of experience as well. Yeah, as, as I mean, as well as Johnston's saves, and I think there was, like, let's say, two or three kind of pivotal saves mm. there. I mean, just, he's just a steady presence, full stop. He's steady, his handling's excellent. And, and this is a repeat on things that we've been saying since most of this season, really, as he's really come on. Is that It's the first time in years that we've had a, you know, use the word steady, but he's a reassuring presence for the defence because we've looked so shaky that... You know, we've always had defenders almost looking over their shoulders thinking, oh, bloody hell, Guzan's in goal, what are we, what are we going to do? I mean, moving on... I think that Bjarnason, you've already mentioned, he's, he's like reborn, isn't he? He's, he yeah. His performance was outrageous against Sheffield United. I think it was 100% tackle completions. You know, that's ridiculous. He was tackling back, he was blocking, 
I mean, he's doing all the defensive stuff, like as good as you can get for a defensive midfielder. And then when he's threading the ball off and playing it forward with much more conviction than, you know, I don't want to name names, but anybody else who's played in that mm-hmm. position. He, he was looking to get things forward. He was feeding Grealish quickly to get it to his feet so he could uh, spur Villa on over the halfway line quickly. And he was also joining the attacks as well. Well, that's a good Where, point. You know, really. the, other DM, the other DMs have tended to sit back and kind of snuggle the halfway line when Villa mm. are attacking. But Bjarnason, uh, you know, he got a shot in, uh, I think it was the first half, but, he, you know, he was right up there. And obviously when he got switched, uh, when Yedinak came on, mm. you know, he's the guy who uh, in the dying minutes lays off uh, yep. Snodgrass to, uh, you know, put it away. Yeah, so I was just about to say that. I, I think, But he looks cla- He looks classy. He suddenly... Is it a confidence thing? Is it kind of like the Hogan the Hogan uplift that we've seen? That did he? Is he one of these players who... And this is not an excuse I normally buy, actually, that they need, they need game time in order that they can get sharper. But it does seem to ring true, because game on game... He also, he didn't really have a position, did he? Correct, correct. And, and you know, I, I won't lie, you know, it's, it's, it's documented here and elsewhere. I, I was really worried that I... I hadn't seen much of a footballer in him, but and it, now you it, hate you hate him still, don't you? You still no, hate him? Not at all. Well, I was always baffled and and by the fact that the Icelandic performances that we'd seen were it was like a different player. And oh. now I think that you know, you use the word classic. His his work rate against Sheffield United was was fantastic, and I think that you know you, you always keep an eye on social media during the games, and I think that the narrative that some people can see of not just Bjarnason but of the team over that game, you know, and obviously the outcome was it was a late winner that we scored, and and everyone feels completely different in an instant. But I thought yeah. that Bjarnason underlined actually it was a dogged performance, and and I think if we'd have gone away with a point, you know, I I thought that was a, a hard earned point. The fact that we went away yeah. with a win is because we were protected so well by players like if you look at Grealish Grealish was uh, also a very willing runner and he got kind of stuck in and a bit different because sometimes you know he's been guilty of let's say walking back Mm -hmm. when in in defence but you know you saw against Barnsley he had mud on his shorts uh, as as a few people uh, commented Mm. he was tireless again and he you know and he kept going and kept going and kept going I mean obviously his his conditioning coach has got got the plaudits recently Mm. is Ollie Ollie Stevenson and uh, there may be some uh, real truth in that because the only person that went missing was Conor Hurahan and mm. typical uh, you know some Villa fans already signalling him out because they always have to hate one player at least who's yeah. in the first 11 and uh, I think they're barking up the wrong tree there because uh, I think he's a quality I mean, you're talking about a, yeah. you're talking about a player who scored a hat-trick for God's sake from midfield mm. yeah I, I, I think it, it Again, it can be we're into Tom Fox territory when I say the word, but it's the false narrative. And Bruce did his job on the night because he identified it wasn't it wasn't working for Hurahan at that time. The switch that he made in bringing on Yedinak it, it made us solid. It released Bjarnason to a different role, but it yep. also brought on uh, Josh Onoma, who again he, he's had his criticism, and I, I hastily remind people he's a young kid, but he immediately injected pace. He's another one who's very direct. It doesn't always come off, but there was a couple of times he picked up the ball, looked up, and the Sheffield United defense realised that they had a kid who was running at them that's a terrifying thing for defences um, yeah. and it turned the game in our favour Huran wasn't having a, you know, the impact on the game the changes that Bruce made um, shored us up at the back with Yednak being dropped in there but also it, it allowed us to have that chance in the dying stages you know the, the classy layoff from yeah. classy layoff from Bjornsson and L- literally a minute before uh, when Davis mm. came on he was mm. uh, down the left wing yeah and he, he, he got the ball and like taking on uh, players and you know taking the game to them it was uh, yeah. suddenly the ball was sticking and we kept it up there and that was you know part and parcel of how we ended up uh, winning the game in the end I mean as I mentioned in the last show. 
I think it's t- it should be a regular segment now. I think the the Scott Hogan touch touches update <laughs> sounds like in, some in, sort of in, predatory uh, crime watch type thing. Oh, how many t- how many times has he touched? Maybe it deserves. Uh, maybe maybe. maybe. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's not go too uh, sordid with it. Maybe it deserves its own <laughs> jingle and uh, theme tune or something. I've already done you a rap. You never play the rap. <laughs> it was at the end of the show. <laughs> no, but you need to play more is what I say. It's just not going to be appreciated there. You can insert it here. Scott Hogan. Scott Hogan. Scott Hogan. Scott Hogan, motherfucker! Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey. But anyway, so against Sheffield United, Scott Hogan actually had 13 touches during the whole game. That's, ironically, one more than he uh, managed against Barnsley, where he had 12 touches but managed to score two of them. (laughs) So uh, did he improve on his Barnsley performance or not? With Scott Hogan, the stats do not mean anything. No, I was about to say, (laughs) good luck plotting that onto a graph and trying to interpret it. I think one of his issues, it wasn't so much uh, what he was doing, it was Sheffield United. When they defended, they got back very quickly yeah, in numbers, yeah. and that frustrated not only Hogan, but also Grealish wasn't you know, able to uh, pin-eye any passes through there no, to him. No. 
And, you know, perhaps it also frustrated Hurahan as well. I mean, I think he had a, a shot or two blocked as well. And, you know, also uh, Snodgrass, I mean, he, he whipped in a couple of deliveries, but I, th- I think he was, you know, he was just having a, a frustrated game and, until, yeah. you know, he's obviously his winner-winner chicken dinner went in and then suddenly, in you know, the eyes of Sky, he's the man of the match, which really wasn't really the narrative. It was just so simple. I was looking at uh, some stats, like an Opta, Opta stats page, and he was on like seven out of ten for the game with like five minutes to go. Everybody else, you know, like seven point five, seven point six, whatever, whatever. Goal goes in, suddenly eight ten. point whatever. <laughs> man of the match. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I see how these guys work. They don't really watch the game and make a judgment on the actual game. It's just some geek watching it on the screen, giving them points. Oh, here's a point for a pass. Oh, two points for an assist. Oh, five points for a you know goal. And it's all, uh, it's almost like statistically done rather than uh, with any, you know, feeling looking at looking at their contribution to the game at large. I mean, so it, it depends how you, how you, how you class contribution, I suppose. I mean, I describe it pretty similarly to, to you, I guess, that I thought his performance, Snodgrass's performance was industrious, but yeah. um, frustrated, I think, by, by Sheffield United's doggedness at the back. But yeah. if you're judging him on having that telling moment of quality to win the games, which I have to admit, I, I, I'm pretty, I'm impressed with him at this level. And, and I've said before that I wonder whether you know you make the step up to the Premier League. That's where he's he struggled. But it was an outstanding, outstanding goal to win the game with. And um, yeah, but as, as we've said, the yeah, as we've previously said, his his industry uh, has, hasn't you know you can't question Fantastic. it, but. What we've seen when he played for Leeds and Norwich, he had the end product, which he hasn't really been delivering. You know, in, in I mean, he had the Hollywood goals, is what I'm yeah, saying, yeah. and that was really one of the first times we've seen one of these uh, Hollywood goals. I mean, he's you know he's been chipping in and being either the assist maker or the scorer in the you know mm. the last few games, but this was like uh, what we thought we were getting when we got him in. Because I'm sure we're paying in Premier League wages. We're not doing a, no. uh, we're not doing it on the cheap. So that was more. And I think I said, you know, I think he'll only get better in terms of that end product, and he will score more goals. And uh, it was it was a good timing because it was, as I said, a pivotal game that really defined what this season could be about. Now I've got a question for you, which uh, mm. is obviously a Bruce, bit of a Brucey dilemma now, mm. with Bjarnason looking the real deal as a defensive midfielder sitting on the bench was Yedinak, Glenn Whelan. And uh, mm. Axel Rose from Manchester United, uh, <laughs> all of them getting paid good money. Well, probably Axel's not obviously not on uh, what uh, the other two are. But what does Bruce do? I mean, with the new guy, for for example, for starters, because I mean, you can understand Yedinak will get time because mm. if the team were playing a chase in the game and like you know trying to bombard it into the box, then obviously Yedinak adds a bit of height to deal with that. So you can see him coming on, whether it's for Bjornsson or, or somebody else. Uh, Whelan, I think he's got problems getting back in the team. Uh, but Axel, what is mm. the point? What's the point? We're calling him Axel because it's easier to say than his surname. <laughs> I, I, I think it's a good problem to have. Um, I suppose what you're alluding to is that why was he bought? What was the purpose? And I think with the... Yeah. You know, it's sort of like the status quo, isn't it, with the the players that have gone out already? And uh, the only thing I, I do know about him, and it is, I can only say through a bit of frantic googling about him when he joined, is that he's he's supposed to be quite versatile. So across across the back line and across across the hole in the midfield. But why would United and why would he come to Villa if he's not actually going to play? Well, that's the big uh, yeah. And Bruce, you know, Bruce said yeah he will be involved against Sheffield United. And then he's, you know, Bruce is standing there and looking at Bjarnason and going, well, you know, 
I can't take him off. It's uh, I'll be laughed at or you know yeah. ridiculed. Well, I, I think there's a well, there's a long season still ahead of us, and I think there's probably the rationale that we've we've got we've had a we know we've got quite a strong squad with reasonable depth, and I think it's kind of countering the problems that he knew he had coming down the line. So he, he's probably well aware that Elphick was going to move on. I think what it does is it's obviously forced. The issue with the with the Solomon who's gone off to to Grimsby, so it's it's the debate, isn't it, or the discussion that hang on, are we developing another player's another team's player? Well, yes, we are. And yeah. the, the the awkward conversation is as well that Manchester United would probably take the view that that Axel Rose is better than Solomon, and it's it, you know we would obviously um, you know be wanting to develop our own under you know, the under twenty one defender um, ourselves, so. It's a tricky one. It's a tricky one. Yeah, that conversation only comes in when you're looking at a player who, uh, you know, if there's a injury crisis, might get in. I think you know we'll, we'll get a we'll get a go, but I, you know, we're going to have to assume that with Elphick gone now, mm. that he would play centre back, for example, if one of the centre backs got injured, and Bruce is kind of reassured that he'll do a decent job because the guy, yeah. you know, the guy could be you know very talented, and, and you know I don't think he's no slouch, but. He's never been in the championship before, and he's never—he's you know—he's twenty years old, and he might not have the uh, temperament for it. And it's not a very good time for Villa to find out whether he can handle it or not in the middle of uh, the running to try to you know get promoted. Well, no, it comes with risk, definitely, and and I, and I suppose what we're having to do is we hopefully we've done our homework, and I'm, I'm, I, was, I was about to say I'm sure we have, but we we haven't in the past. But you know, if if he's anything like the quality that Johnston's turned out to be. And you know the other final thing is, an, again, it's a, it's a bit of a bit of faith and a bit of trust, I suppose, is that you're not going to get to 20 years old at, at Manchester United, having come through and be the England under 21 uh, captain and, and be poor. But there is risk attached to it. I, I agree that if if we got down to the bare bones and we're having to you know rely upon him for a number of games, that's untested. But you know, again, we've got we've got strength in depth there, and, and actually interchange players that can interchange. So you know. Uh, you know, you just said that you don't think Whelan's getting back in the team. Injuries will come along, suspensions will come along, and you know, for, for though he's made some mistakes that have cost us, I, I do think there's a time and a place for a Whelan where you need someone in there harrying and, and yeah. doing the the ugly things. But I suppose he could also fit in uh, alongside Bjarnason as well, and then you, you know, if you let's say you you're a goal up or you're two nil up or you're actually chasing and uh, or you're getting overrun, then suddenly to have that kind of uh, energy and ooh, a double dynamo because obviously Bjarnason's are there here, mm. there, and everywhere and, and runs for mm. the whole game. And if Axel does that as well, which I'm assuming he does, then uh, that could you know bring a different level and dimension to the midfield you know for example if Horahan's having a quiet game as he did against Sheffield United mm. you can bring him up to kind of beef things up a little bit and I think just one final point on this is I was considering it when when Yedinak did jog onto the pitch the other day that he hasn't been able to do that so regularly really you know I think it was at one point he had less game time than Gabby this season uh, yeah. so I think we have to plan for the for the reality that given his age and his apparent eagerness to continue playing international football which he his attendance at is flawless by comparison to his uh, his club <laughs> appearances uh, not that I'm insinuating anything at all of football Australia <laughs> but but it's, it's that's the reality and I think um, you know that's where I think the injection of, of having an, an up and coming rising talent from United's ranks makes a bit more sense and uh, just another note we haven't got long left uh, Lewis uh Graban, mm. I think that's kind of a insurance policy, really, isn't it? Yep. Because uh, it sounded yep. like Bruce, 
if he couldn't get a man in, and obviously his main target was uh, Leandro uh, Joa from uh, Leicester, who obviously ended up in Brighton. And uh, I think he team. publicly said that if he couldn't get another another striker that he, had, he actually wanted in, then they you know they would be uh, they'd be fine and they'd have to like tough it out. There was I think you know there was enough there as long as Hogan didn't break down mm. for the rest of the season to get us over the line. But I think the main thing that's uh, impressed him about Mister Lewis Graban is his goals uh, for Sunderland. In a you yep. know obviously scraping the bottom of the uh, the league for most of the season. Yeah, his his conversion rate's very high, isn't it? Before. That I mean, he scored 22 for Bournemouth 2013-14 season. He's played a few games for Norwich and Bournemouth in the uh, the Premier League, but he's uh, he scored one goal in the Premier League mm. and just hasn't really cut it at that level. But in the Championship, he's you know as he's he's proven he scored 22 goals one season and he scored 12 goals before Christmas. So uh, this season, so I think that's enough to uh, have him in there as a you know one of four. I agree. I think it gives us a bit more cover. I think it takes away that reliance upon and the pressure on, on, on Davis. He was a handful uh, when we played Sunderland. I mean, he obviously scored yeah. against us. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's a clever signing. It's, it's the interesting thing about it. I wonder what the driver for this was because you know you've seen seen Hogan's uh, emergence on the scene. And it was prior to that happening that there were some rumours about Graben being available, but the. The, the reports I remember reading were that Bournemouth were only looking to sell and I, I wonder whether the player and his representatives are perhaps looking at the Sunderland situation and saying, you know, come on, we you know, don't try and force a permanent deal. Just get me out, yeah. of, get me out of the stadium alight. <laughs> but there, was, there has been a period where he has uh, obviously been back at Bournemouth, so it's mm. interesting that it wasn't like a, uh, you know, he goes back and it's an instant switch. So obviously there's, there was some, maybe he had a few options that he had mm. to mull over. But it's, I mean, it's is, it's kind of a strange one for him because he's is in, you know, he's thirty years old. Obviously, you know, it's perfect for Villa. They mm. don't, you know, they don't give a shit past this season because I don't think, you know, if they get promoted, as we've just discussed, he's not a Premier League uh, level striker or he hasn't proved it up until this date. Very much like Ross McCormack, actually, he uh, yeah. never played in the Premier League. So at least uh, Lewis uh, has got one over McCormack in that respect. I mean, just just to. Um just to finish off on on uh, on Graben as well. There's, there's, just to underline what you were just saying that he he's you know we've got six months and it's a thousand times better than waking up to discover that we've signed Grant Holt for a few weeks. It's it's just <laughs> all around better, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, you have view. a point there. Did was that Martin O'Neill signed Grant Holt? I think it was a Paul Lambert signing. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Paul Lambert. <laughs> so that was. I mean, Martin O'Neill era was the last. You know, that was when uh, Grant was in his thirties. Uh, yeah. I think when Lambert signed him, he was in his fifties, wasn't he? No, Martin <laughs> O'Neill was the player who said, "Oh, hang on, we're not going to sign Darren Bent for ten million pounds. We'll get Marlon Harewood instead, and then we'll buy. And then we'll buy <laughs> Bent when he's twenty-four million pounds under Julio." <laughs> so, I mean, in terms of uh, just to conclude on the on the transfer window, I think we we got everything sorted. We need a new striker to cover Codger. We've got that yeah. in, and somebody who uh, has a proven record uh, in actually in this season's championship. So, you know, that's a tick. Axel gives you coverage over several positions, uh, yeah. and since we've had two outs, uh, let's even in the, you know even at the base level of him he is just replacing Elphick and uh, yeah. Richie Delat then you know that's all good so finally a window all good. a massive churn it's, it's been a while after that Sheffield United win we have now got the luxury of two home games against Burton followed by the Blues I mean the Blues <laughs> have the worst away record in the league so uh, 
Home win. It's a great leveller, blah, 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 derbies, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, you've, you've got to go into that game winning, even though they've had mm-hmm. a resurgence of form recently. Although... Uh, oh, so have we. One of their two wins uh, in the month of January was uh, obviously against Sunderland, who were a bit of a hopeless cause. Mm. Uh, Villa... After those two games, we've got to play uh, Fulham away. That's another one of the uh, the tough tests because Big they game. are top of the January form league above Villa's on goal difference. Both teams won four out of four. Uh, so the the team that we're chasing, Derby, one point ahead, have now got three home games on the trot. Mm. But I wouldn't say they're necessarily going to win all those three because they're playing Brentford, Norwich. Norwich are also on a bit of form at the moment. Brentford are and, a decent and, team. And Leeds as well, who uh, you know can occasionally turn up, even though they're <laughs> spluttering. If they're really uh, going to consider themselves of having any chance uh, of the playoffs this season, but you know, I, I don't, I don't think they'll win all those three. If they win all those three, then it's we're going to have to put you know really pull up socks mm. up to uh, dispose them. But you know, they've dropped points now. We were five points behind them. Now it's only uh, the single point. So we're right on them. Looking good. Right, I think it's time to get out. We've gone past well past midnight, so uh, we're just going to cut this one short, but we'll have a proper show uh, après the Burton game. Please do subscribe on iTunes, or we're on Deezer now. If you listen to your music on Deezer, uh, you can find us there. Just go to myomansaid.co.uk and uh, there's a link on the side uh, that will take you there because I can't remember the actual address to uh, go to Deezer. Actually, you can just search on Deezer. It will appear. Do follow us on Twitter as well at Aston villa pod and sending your comments or anything you want to talk about so until uh, the double header at villa park it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye my old man said away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.